0: Hello! Passionate about sustainability, energy, and climate? You're in the right place. Welcome to Energetic. I'm Maureen Cornelis, and together, we will engage with people who dedicate their lives to climate justice and making a just energy transition happen. They may be activists, scientists, policymakers, or other enthusiasts, just like you. Let the life stories and insights inspire you to build a better future for people and the planet. One of the unstoppable forces behind Energy Cities. With her boundless energy and expertise, she has been in charge of advocacy and communication at Energy Cities since 2018. Sarah is on a mission to raise awareness about the incredible potential of local renewable energy. Not only that, but she's also spearhead Energy Cities hub on community energy, bringing together like-minded individuals who are paving the way for a sustainable future. Sarah first made waves in the Directorate General for the Environment of the European Commission and later took her talents to the Joint Research Centre. But it's at Energy Cities where Sarah's passion truly comes alive. Fueled by her unwavering dedication to sustainability, she wholeheartedly believes in the power of decentralized renewable to transform our world into a greener paradise. Join Sarah on an electrifying journey as she shines the spotlight on the incredible people behind energy cities. Sarah, welcome to Energetic.
1: Thank you, Mary. I'm very happy to be here. So, Sarah, what
0: led you to become an advocate for energy communities and the transition to renewable energy?
1: So, Let's say at the very beginning, mine was just a, um, a willingness to do something for uh, sustainability, for uh, powering a more a greener world. <laughs> uh, it started a bit in university, where I was part of the co-founder of uh, a student association working on sustainability. And then little by little, I decided that this was something that I could really become in my work. And so that's how I worked for a while, like as a trainee for Legambiente in Italy, and then finally I came to Brussels and I joined Energy Cities because I, I saw this really as an opportunity to uh, do something concretely to foster energy transition and sustainability, starting from the cities themselves, who are the actor. Let's say that the level that is closer.
0: And how could you describe really shortly Energy Cities for somebody who has never heard about it?
1: Yes, Energy Cities is a network of local authorities who are uh, engaged, wants to make their cities more livable and better for their citizens. So our network is composed by local leaders Uh, but also technicians, people that work for the municipality and um, we help them, we give them uh, knowledge and we make sure that uh, their voice is heard at European level so that they can really do their job and uh, be fully enabled to drive the European energy transition.
0: Okay, so you do a lot of capacity building towards civil servants, but not only civil servants, right?
1: Yeah, uh, we do a lot of capacity building. So let's say a big part of our job is capacity building on different topics. Uh, another big part of our job is advocacy. We work on uh, different topics, uh, which, for example, include, uh, you know, renewable energy, uh, district eating, but also we are recently trying to work on new topics uh, in order to be like more fully, have uh, a more like of a, a complete approach. To sustainability, so we recently started also working on project on food and circularity more in general, A resource-wise economy, let's say. So our work is mostly capacity building, advocacy, and we try to do also uh, engage cities in uh, pilot projects where they can test uh, new approaches and new way of working to achieve their, their objectives. And
0: about that... Are there any um, challenges or any, uh, like, uh, on the contrary, opportunities that they are, let's say, bringing up front and so that you manage to handle as an organization, as a network of cities? And if yes, could you share some examples?
1: So I think municipalities have the advantage of uh, being engaged, like being, let's say, the first respondent in the, when we are talking about uh, the energy and climate crisis. So the advantage is that we have the uh, direct access uh, to them and their experience and their challenges. And with this uh, knowledge, we try to make sure that we can speak with uh, one voice for local authorities in Europe. Of course, we are aware that this is not, uh, uh, the situation changes, uh, it's not the same everywhere, but most times uh, people that work for local authorities, they share the same challenges. And for example, um, for the topic of community energy, the, I regularly speak with different people that work for uh, local authorities in uh, municipalities in, uh, in different countries, such as France, Spain. Uh, we, we have a very diverse uh, membership and from basically almost all countries in Europe and they share problems. So there are uh, the situation changes, but the commonalities are the same. For example, there is an overall uh, lack of uh, resources and, uh, uh human uh, i'm really speaking of human resources not just uh, uh, financial resources for local authorities to be able to support uh, community energy projects or another project that is shared no matter if uh, they are from uh, croatia or France or Spain it's also uh, the lack of a legal framework that uh, for procurement rules so that uh, municipality can support can tender and mm, in a way that can be more accessible for community for energy communities. for example there are a lot of uh, things that uh, sometimes at European level it's not something that it's highly visible but those are little problems that then they have to deal with when they need to implement and to make sure that uh, what the European Union let's say is pushing for in terms of target it's actually achievable because that's where in the end concretely things need to happen in order for us to be able to reach those targets. And what
0: kind of problems do you notice with the implementation? Because in my work, I also noticed that there is such big discrepancies between the lovely theory of the directives and the ideals that are presented in in European legal text. And what happens in practice, because, of course, what happens in practice is ingrained into series of, let's say, uh, cultural appreciation and um, variety of understanding and the, the various stakeholders. The footprint will be different. And let's say even the way of being a citizen will be different from one community to another. So... Is that something that you have noticed in particular? Or is there a particular case that has been very uh, striking for you, really? One of those examples where you think, okay, there is so much potential and maybe we can do something about it.
1: Well, there are uh, for sure when when it comes to community energy. For me, what is striking is that this legislation, for example, uh, was published in uh, 2018 and it was supposed to be, and it's now supposed to be fully transposed uh, in all member states. But at the same time, it's what you also mentioned, it's not like everything gets at- transposed in the same way. So basically, the commission provide this, uh, let's say, overall general, uh, more, it's more like um, guidance that can, legislation that then will have to be adapted in the national context in certain ways. And in this process of adaptation, which we call legally like transposition, it's uh, sometimes things, they tend to either get lost or misunderstood. And so in the case of community energy, more specifically, some legislation that was supposed to really... Enable communities to take an active role becomes on on occasion when the transposition is not uh, well implemented becomes uh, create new burdens and and uh, and confusion and it's also in the case specific case of local authorities uh, we have situation like for example in Croatia uh, the transposition is not clear enough for local authorities to be confident that by for example favouring communities in uh, procurement, they won't be confronted with legal action by other uh, market actors, for example. So I think the case of transposition and procurement, more specifically procurement rules, is something that is very uh, typical because indeed the European Commission said communities should have as social actor of the market should have favorable access To this uh, procedure. Sometimes they can also be exempted from tendering procedure. But then when you go to national level, eh, I don't see this happening as much. And there is a lot of legal uncertainty and municipalities are scared to take action. They are discouraged because then uh, this is also something that I was told by one of our members, like you kind of put yourself in the spot. You want to innovate by innovating. You're just doing something that no one else has done before, but maybe by doing this, you, everyone will be looking at you and it will be easier to find things that you didn't go well and then it's a legal action against you it's it's complex i i think this is really a, an example of how this doesn't happen only in crush, of course. It's like it's something that is quite common. But I think procurement uh, uh, is one of the biggest uh, challenges because that's some, some an area where, of course, uh, there is uh, the power of uh, the at EU level to do something about. But at the same time, uh, there is not a clear understanding of uh, what is still feasible um, at when we go at national level, and and also like the the, the, the there is a lot of red tape. Uh, that gets uh, in the way uh, also when it comes to uh, energy communities and working with the citizens between like, yeah, municipalities working with citizens.
0: We've had a uh, series of um, episodes about energy communities in this podcast and uh, from what happens in Colombia to uh, two different models uh, brought up by the business. So I think we can understand that at a global level, energy communities can mean lot of different things. But what is certain is that you have this idea of having a broader participation of citizens. And it's true that as municipalities or cities, it's the citizens are the the people who make together the, the cities. And that would be quite a natural place for energy communities to develop somehow. But you said that there are challenges uh, linked to procurement, to permitting, etc. And that actually expose a lot the promoters of this project. But what have you noticed as their main drivers? Because you are also the coordinator of the Energy Cities Hub on Community Energy. So you have such a good understanding of what is in the mind of decision-makers at the local level. So, what are their motivations? What is behind, actually, this
1: idea and this willingness to expose yourself no matter what? Well, I think working on community energy at local level has uh, advantages that go beyond the need of local authority, of course, to access uh, renewable energy and to have more renewables installed on their territory. So often community energy doesn't bring exclusively I'd say, environmental uh, sustainability benefits and uh, uh, green energy. So it's not just about that. It also provides social benefits. So basically, thanks to energy communities, sharing energy, for example, can provide a solution to problems such as uh, energy poverty or the lack of energy literacy can also be addressed by energy communities because they tend to provide services that go beyond the green energy, which of course in itself it's a it's a great thing. So there are advantages uh, that municipalities uh, they also they see they see the potential. They see uh, it's 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 also the fact that in the end uh, overall you you contribute to create additional cohesion at local uh, social cohesion at local level. So there are a lot of benefits uh, for municipality to work there, with their citizen on this topic, and that's why many of them are are doing it uh, uh, even if it becomes uh, very difficult at times. I mentioned procurement, but also grid access, it's a a topic that was spotted by our members as something that was not really easy for them. So sometimes they have this brilliant idea for a project or they have already in mind where the installation could go. But then uh, when it comes to, let's say, the information from the Distribution system operator on grid availability. The information maybe it takes a while to come, but also sometimes uh, they wait for months and then the, the grid is not available for them. So it's uh, I think this is also another topic where there is some work to be done, but it's also a topic where you clearly see the advantage of working uh, together with a municipality because citizen on their own uh, sometimes they would have more difficulties, but municipality by working with the municipality. So I, I mentioned already what. The advantages for the municipality, but there are also advantages, of course, for citizens for communities uh, to work with um, municipalities, and this, uh, let's say, facilitating role that municipality can have uh, is definitely uh, one of them. And could you
0: share some successful example of how those energy communities have made a significant, let's say, social impact on uh, their local areas, neighbourhood, etc.
1: Well. I often share this example because it's one of my favorite, but Valencia launched their first energy community uh, recently, and uh, they have this uh, big commitment of having uh, their entire uh, territory served uh, by community energy, basically. And in order to do that, they created energy offices at district level, so the citizen know where to go. And then they kind of facilitated the entire process of the creation of this energy community in the district called Castellaroli Liberal. And uh, they were there uh, facilitating the meetings. But uh, when I spoke with with, um, a colleague from the city of Valencia, which are, actually is not really the city of Valencia, but it's uh, the Valencia uh, Climate and Energy Observatory. He said that they really, what they did was to give the instrument for citizens to be able to work on their own on this topic. So he really said, citizens, they can do this. I mean, it's not like they, they they can and they want to. It's just that you have to provide them with the knowledge and the space, let's say, to do this. So I think this is a great example of, uh, of collaboration. And this... Providing citizens with knowledge is something that I think the municipality is always willing to do when the resources are there for them to do so. And I'm telling you this because it's not the first municipality that uh, provided this energy office. Even in Croatia, for example, our member Poric, they opened uh, quite recently a sunny office where they provide information to citizens about Everything related to solar energy so that citizen might want to even just install solar power on the roof, but they have a place where they can go and get information. Sometimes it's not just, uh, of course, community energy, but it's also about active citizenship, uh, active energy citizenship, let's say.
0: Indeed, the European Commission recommends, uh, or is envisioning, that there should be any kind of uh, renovation hub, one-stop shops uh, for renovation. But that could also, of course, include uh, community energy somehow, if uh, conceived in a, in a very comprehensive way. And they could also be uh, points of information for people facing energy poverty or other kind of. Uh, energy-related uh, difficulties. So what would you further recommend either to municipalities or to the urban level to make energy communities more tangible at uh, this kind of municipal level that you tackle?
1: Well, yeah, for sure, providing more uh, resources at local level, it's definitely a first step. And that's why Energy Cities has this campaign, Local Stuff for Climate, to really push for municipalities to be enabled in order to achieve the EU uh, climate and energy goals. So def- definitely the issue of uh, yeah, capacity, it's something that needs to be addressed. Then, of course, it's also a question of uh, uh, making sure that municipalities have a seat at the table when it comes to uh, taking decisions that... Uh, for which they will be involved in terms of, let's say, implementation. It's not just uh, about uh, setting a target and then saying, "Okay, we will, uh, we will do it," but we won't basically uh, uh, give them the instrument in order to to act. I think it's important that uh, municipalities are also involved in decision making process. And for example, in the new renewable energy directive, uh, there is this uh, obligation to define. Uh, priority areas uh, acceleration areas where for example the permitting uh, for renewable energy projects will be quicker i think this is a, a clear example where we should make sure that municipalities have uh, a say for pro- for the, the definition for example of these acceleration areas so that they can identify the areas that are uh, most suitable and they can do that hopefully in consultation with their with their cities and this with overall speed up the process and allow for uh, avoid, to avoid, let's say, the not in my backyard uh, approach, which is still a problem at local level, unfortunately. But that's the direct consequence, consequences of an approach to energy that is not collaborative. It's not democratic, let's say, and hopefully uh, this is also an aspect that can be addressed uh, in the future.
0: Of course, there is the question also of uh, representativity having, when you say democratic, it supposes that everybody should have uh, a voice and should be heard independently of their um, profile. And um, in particular, when we prepared this uh, conversation, you mentioned the question of gender related challenges uh, in the energy sector. So what is your view on, on this as Sarah, not Sara of energy uh, cities. And what is your vision on how to make the energy cities, energy community, but also, let's say, the Brussels bubble where decision making happens, a little bit more gender-friendly, gender-inclusive? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, when we speak about uh, community uh, energy, I am part myself of an uh, energy cooperative that just started in Brussels. It's called Bruw Power. And uh, I find myself, for example, uh, talking with the people in the organization and they tell me, well, we don't have a lot of women uh, so they're in the core group. And it's also true that when I attended the, the latest annual uh, event of ESCOPU, uh, this topic of uh, gender inclusiveness uh, uh, was very uh, high on, on the list. It's true that sometimes uh, we tend to often the same uh, people in the room or at least the same category of people. And that is also why, for a while, community energy was seen as something that was uh, just for the rich, basically. A bit is because the topic of energy itself, it's, uh, it's not an easy one. Uh, so even for me, that at uh, the beginning uh, when I first joined Energy City, I had n- never worked on this topic before. It's not something that you're super comfortable to uh, speak about when just arrived. Uh, so overall, uh, it's not an easy topic. It's very technical, and as you know, uh, I mean, the issue of women in uh, science—it's not it's again uh, an, another issue uh, that is uh, linked with this. But then it's also uh, that I think. It's, it's difficult to, I mean, this is something, the inclusivity is something that you really need to think about when you set up your project in order to uh, adopt certain actions or certain strategies to really make sure that everyone can attend. And on this, some energy communities are already trying to do that. For example, by, I don't know, having a, a, day, uh, a healthcare professional or kids uh, babysitting services during, in their, in their meetings so that the parents, they can come, or if there is a single parent, they can come. So there are little things that are starting to happen because there is this discussion, this ongoing disc- discussion on inclusiveness and uh, inclusivity. So things are are moving. Uh, in Energy Cities ourselves, uh, we have a gender quality plan, something that makes just to make sure that everyone is able to have the same type of opportunity and to uh, also uh, so that every situation is taken into account. But then you see in, in Energy Cities, we also have a female uh, uh, director, let's say. So it's also something that definitely uh, plays a role. The management style is very different. And I think this is overall uh, a great advantage for us as an, as an organization. There are different uh, women uh, that are kind of like in the management, uh, me included. So I think uh, this definitely contributes to have uh, like a, uh, hopefully... Work culture, which is uh, better and more inclusive and uh, more friendly towards uh, all uh, genders. So it's about uh, creating a work culture
0: that is more inclusive. It's about creating uh, the framework for, for women and actually parents to be able to join any kind of uh, initiative that is uh, outside the time when kids are expected to be in school or in daycare or whatever. It's really about fostering a culture that takes in better into consideration the, the particular needs of certain categories of the population, right?
1: Yeah, it's also creating a space for different people to participate. Sometimes when we talk with citizen engagement, uh, with the, about citizen engagement with municipalities, they always tell us about the same problem, which is It's very difficult not to have the same usual suspect in the room so we organize something around the energy. We want people to come and to work with us on the topic, but then we end up with the same uh, people in the room. How do we uh, change this? And sometimes it's really also, it starts with a good mapping of all the actors on the territory and not just uh, sticking to the one that you know, but also going the extra mile in uh, trying to reaching beyond uh, your usual partners and your usual network. But it's also having uh, an inclusivity plan or uh, uh, doing uh, setting meetings uh, at a time of the day, which is more convenient for a certain category of people that you want to meet. I think it's, it's really about having an engagement and a strategy that already is including actions that are targeted specifically to the needs of the people that you want to include. I think by switching this way of thinking and going from uh, me going to you, but making you come to me also, you know, and that's more or less how, in my opinion, we should move if we want everyone to.
0: It's really interesting because in all the conversations we've had on Energetic About Energy Communities, the figure of the facilitator always comes back, uh, whether it is a community Supported by a researcher, as it was the case in the episode uh, in Colombia, or whether it is a community supported by the business, as it was in the episode with Clean uh, So, you always have this idea that without an entry point, it will always remain an excellent idea, but only for a very tiny community of happy few. And what you are saying is actually that we need some facilitators. Is it something? you as energy cities try to to provide capacity for for your members also like on how to understand the various publics how to kind of uh, also overcome certain language cultural or like implicit barriers that may exist
1: Yes, I think that's part of the work that we do. We publish, uh, for example, together with Rescope U, a guide on communication around community energy, uh, because uh, as such, uh, the topic, it's not, uh, as I mentioned before, it's not a topic that it's uh, super easy to approach for someone that doesn't work in the energy sector. So we thought, why not developing uh, a guide to help uh, cities and citizens to work together and to uh, make sure that uh, uh, their community energy project has the support that it deserves. Uh, I think the role of facilitator is very important because um, often, at least at the beginning, these projects start as a site. Project. It's not uh, like people have that much time, and so it's uh, it's indeed uh, it's indeed good if there is uh, someone and uh, often uh, it can, and often it can be also the city the municipality themselves that provide this uh, facilitating role, like it happened in Valencia. That's kind of uh, the glue that brings everything together, and hopefully uh, it also gives uh, more reassurance for uh, to the to the to the people that are participating that are part of the project that. Someone has uh, the full overview of the situation and uh, is telling them uh, what is that they can they can do to help. Basically, sometimes it, felt, it feels very overwhelming, and it's good if you have someone that drives the process. And that's why we try uh, in energy cities we try to have to do this uh, capacity building and to show cities that there are a lot of things that they can do. They don't necessarily need to be the one that have their own energy community, but they really empower citizens to create their own projects.
0: So do you consider yourself as a facilitator really for the community energy uh, between uh, EU legislation and, and municipalities
1: somehow? Are you the empowerer? <laughs> well, it's a big word, but we definitely do our best and uh, provide the cities with the knowledge that they need on this topic. I'm. I'm luckily, we are not the only one, but uh, the, the hope is that uh, by uh, providing Cities with uh, with this uh, this capacity, this uh, this knowledge, they are also enabled to take action, and then they can have the same role with their citizen. Uh, we recently uh, launched uh, our um, Community Energy Espresso training, for example, and this is like an eight-hour online course where dedicated, uh, really di- directed to municipalities where through which hopefully they get a first uh, uh, understanding on what community energy is, what are their, let's say, energy rights and uh, how they can contribute to this uh, energy revolution, let's say. So yeah, our role is definitely uh, to be one of the facilitator at European level for uh, for this topic and also saying we can do that because we work with uh, number of great partners that support us in this. I mean, Rescop is one of them, but we are also part of the Community Power Coalition, which is like a European network of like-minded organizations that do, uh, for example, does advocacy mostly uh, towards the EU institution to uh, push for a favorable legislation for community energy. I think indeed it's good that uh, we are never alone and we can always count on our partners so that we do our best and provide the knowledge to municipalities. And
0: is this eight-hour training available to everyone or is it just for the members of NGCities?
1: Our community energy espresso training is open to every municipalities. Uh, We really thought uh, about um, European municipalities for this training in particular, because we provide a lot of information on the European context, European legislation, let's say. But the truth is that we also got requests to participate from municipalities that are not from the European Union, and it's okay. I think as long as you're a local authority, this training might be useful for you. It's mostly to provide uh, municipalities with um, some first uh, knowledge on the topic so that they can then get more specific knowledge, hopefully at national level, because we still, uh, it's still uh, we are still talking about a training in English, even if we are working already with some organization at national level so that they can adapt it and so that it becomes even more relevant for municipalities. In this case, we are working with organization in Italy, in Poland, in Croatia and Lithuania. But hopefully we manage to do better and uh, just uh, in involve more organization and make the knowledge accessible to municipalities all over Europe.
0: So there are different editions of this training, right? So where can people find information about it on the Energy Cities website?
1: in you know, Energy Cities website, you can find information about the, the training in English, which at the moment is the only one available. Okay. So, hopefully, next year we manage to to have more. But um, at the moment, the training is available only in English uh, in uh, Energy Cities Learning Platform.
0: Okay. And that's really right. I will put it in the show notes uh, for anybody who is interested in uh, in this topic. And yeah, I really need to catch up with ResCoop to know if there is the same uh, kind of uh, uh, training available for citizens, like everyday people. I'm sure there is. Anyway, I wanted to ask you, and it will be a way to wrap up this conversation, what do you envision for the future of energy communities really? And how do you think they can fulfill their potential in creating a greener, more sustainable, more inclusive world?
1: Well, I think hopefully with the elimination, let's say, we, once we, we free the road from uh, some blocks that are currently a bit like some of them we discussed during this, um, during this podcast, there should be uh, for sure more projects popping uh, up all over Europe. There are some uh, member states, where we don't have many. And uh, you can, but you, we can still see that there is this uh, tendency, let's say, to, for community energy project to happen, even when, let's say, the situation, the context is not super advantage. So I I think in the future, we will have more and more uh, energy community project um, and also uh, hopefully more energy citizens uh, in general. So people that will know. More about energy and how they can uh, be more active, so become uh, the prosumers and uh, not just consumers. So I really hope that this uh, uh, will uh, will happen, so that we will everyone will have access to uh, greener but also uh, cheaper, hopefully, air, energy. Um, so this uh, hopefully will help also address uh, the issue of energy poverty. Then I think that. Uh, uh, energy communities uh, uh, will be able to better fulfill their role and be really one of the green arm for Europe when there will be more knowledge about their potential. So at the moment, uh, the community energy topic, is, it, it seems like we're always talking about it. But the truth is that the average person doesn't really understand it yet and doesn't even know what they are. I mean, you speak with uh, your family, with people that are not uh, working on the energy topic, and they don't know uh, what an energy community is. So, I really hope that there is a lot of uh, still uh, knowledge uh, to be shared and uh, a lot of uh, road to before we really have uh, uh, this concept clear for everyone so that uh, hopefully more people will be able to participate. So, it's not just about uh, uh, making sure that. Um, Community energy is understood, but it's also making sure that uh, citizens are more knowledgeable on the topic of energy. And for this, it's also something that like podcasts like yours uh, contribute to. I guess it's a really wise, uh, spreading the knowledge on uh, on the energy uh, so that it doesn't stay as a topic that it's only for expert and energy companies to to understand. I think, uh, yeah, by in the the end, it's it's all about making energy more democratic, uh, because as I recently was told, uh, energy is power and it's not just electricity in the electricity sense, it's it's also democratic power, political power. So as soon as we democratize it, then we will have more concept, more uh, uh, such as energy communities in Europe.
0: Yeah, so uh, energy is really an instrument to build uh, more resilient and democratic societies that better in- acknowledge the power citizens really have, and uh, citizens really in the sense of people getting together to build a future that is more alike and that is more um, positive, really, for them and for the rest of the community. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's it's been such an informative uh, episode. I learned a lot. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh,
1: Anything you want to share before we, we wrap this uh, podcast up? Thank you, Marine. Well, yes. I don't know if uh, it's something that, that maybe uh, I have to ask you before because it's not. So I'm not sure this is still going to be relevant.
0: Go ahead. For when
1: the podcast will be published, but I would like to invite uh, uh, your listener to join us in Modena in uh, the 18th of October. Uh, the week of the 18th of October, we have our annual event where also community energy, of course, will be one of the uh, the topics. So uh, I really hope to see some of you in Modena.
0: Okay, and I would love to join too. So maybe we'll see each other in Modena then. Definitely. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for listening to Energetic. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into sustainability and the just energy transition with the most inspiring stakeholders. All links and resources are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this podcast, why not recommend it to a friend or a colleague? To continue the conversation, head on over to Twitter or LinkedIn. Thank you for lending your ears. That's all for this episode. Until next time.